Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. We have come together this morning and God has blessed us already and and I hope and pray that God will continue to bless us as we open His Word. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus once again. This is the last time we're going to look at Titus. Uh, and if you'll turn back to Titus chapter 2, we're going to conclude our series in the book of Titus. And, and uh, we want to ask God to bless us as we study His Word. Uh, Pray with me if you would. Dear Gracious Father, open Your Word to our hearts. May You speak to us rather than the words of men. And Lord, may Your Spirit flow through this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In your Bibles in uh, Titus chapter 2, we've been looking at the book of Titus. And Titus is, of course, named for a missionary partner of of Paul's, uh, Paul the Apostle. Uh, You know you're important when you've got the for a middle name, Paul the Apostle. Um, And uh, Paul had a couple of different partners. He had Barnabas and he had Silas and he also had uh, Titus. Timothy was also a, a, a helper of Paul, and Timothy was left in Ephesus to help start a church. And in the same way, Titus was left in Crete to help uh, begin a church there that Paul and T- uh, Titus had come together to help and work together towards that. Uh, this book of the Bible falls un- under what is known as the pastoral epistles of Paul. And and Paul is writing to try and help encourage Titus to help him as he's struggling in that church and help him as he's working through some of the issues there. And we saw how this speaks to us because at first we we talked about how this is a call to arms for us to... Uh, calling out Christians to come forward and stand up and be held accountable uh, and to be faithful in the church. And then we saw uh, last week, we saw the face of grace and how God's love and mercy is applied to us through His grace. And today, I want to talk to you about that amazing grace that is kind of a conclusion to the uh, last week. It's kind of a, a continuation of it. And... Uh, I want to begin with talking to you about uh, a man who had a tumultuous past, but has his life has touched the lives of of countless individuals. This individual uh, uh, wrote a song that uh, such people as Ella Fitzgerald. Now, some of you uh, younger people, you can Google her and find out who she is. And um, but uh, Willie Nelson and. Uh, some other folks like uh, Elvis Presley and and even a sitting president sang his song. So this guy, he went you know right up through the pinnacle. Uh, it is one of the most well known songs in uh, history, and uh, this individual wrote this song and. To read the words and the lyrics of this song and to to know about his life, you wouldn't you wouldn't put the two together. Uh, this song uh, 
is that has impacted so many people's lives. Uh, for many people, it is sung every time they're going through a time of difficulty and struggle. It's sung during times of celebration. It's sung during uh, regular celebrations. And, and it is just an amazing song. And, and I imagine that all of you know the words to Amazing Grace. And John Newton is the fellow who wrote that song. John Newton lived in 17... Uh, he was born in 1762, and, and he lived a long time ago. Uh, he had a difficult life. It, he, it began with his life uh, having a father that was a sea captain and wasn't at home very often, and a mother that was sickly. She died when he was just 11 years old. and He was left with no one to care for him, so he was taken off by his father... Uh, on the ocean as uh, on his father's boat and he began his seafaring life at, at the age of 11. He eventually progressed up to the point of becoming a sea captain himself and worked on several ships that sailed to trans, uh, transport a commodity that was very popular during his time and that, is, uh, that was slaves. He was a slave trader uh, himself, and uh, during one of his voyages, his ship was was just battered during a storm, and he he was destined. They were destined to die as the ship was uh, sinking and about to run into uh, the coast of of uh, uh, that they were trying to pull into to to reach safe a uh, safe harbor. And during the midst of that storm. Uh, he cried out to God for God's grace. God uh, extended that grace to him. And uh, the, the storm caused the boat to shift, the cargo to shift, and it plugged up the hole that was causing the leak, uh, that was causing the ship to sink. And they were able to, to sail to safety uh, before the ship sank. That transformed his life. He became a, a Christian at that point, but it didn't totally change his life. For many years after that, he continued in the slave trade, although he began to feel more compassion towards the slaves that he was transporting and, and had a, a better outlook on, uh, on treating those slaves better. He didn't change his views on slavery until much later in life. And he was very much like a lot of Christians. They feel like uh, they call out to God at a time of crisis, a time of, of great turmoil in their life, and they ask God for forgiveness and God's grace, and, and they have grace. God's grace is applied to them, much like John Newton. But the problem is, is that we don't understand God's amazing grace at that point, just merely grace. Because many people don't understand the full extent of God's amazing grace until they allow God's grace to fully envelop their life and fully change their life. And John Newton didn't change at that point. He eventually would become a, a minister and he would write uh, over a hundred different hymns and uh, that exist even to this day, and, and one of those being Amazing Grace. But, uh, but he didn't understand fully Amazing Grace until much later in his life when he had a stroke, and his life changed dramatically as he pour, uh, cried out to God once again. And God's Amazing Grace was is that God's grace was applied to him in spite of the fact that he should have known better 
He had not changed and allowed God's grace to fully change him. And like a lot of Christians, we cry out to God and God gives us His grace, but we don't allow God to fully change us. We keep holding on to the things that we want to hold on to. The, the, uh, I call them our pet sins because God's, uh, God delivers us from them. God sets us free from that sin and He washes us and makes us clean and whole when we become Christians and when we ask God and to our life and God says you don't have to have that sin in your life anymore but we hold on to sin in our life even though we've found salvation and we keep going back to it and I and it's just like a pet uh, we keep coming back uh, again and again and again because we're so comfortable with that sin even though it, it, it isn't supposed to be a part of our life even though it doesn't need to be in our life and God has delivered us and set us free from it we still keep coming back and see, uh, still keep carrying around that sin. And it's not until we fully allow God's grace to to touch our life and God's amazing grace to envelop our life and change us and transform us into a new creation that we understand God's amazing grace and uh, and God is is fully uh, transforms us. You see, uh, when we become a Christian, (coughs) the Bible tells us And Paul writes, he says, you become a new creation, a new creature. He says, you take off the old things, the old man, and you put on the new in the book of Ephesians. He talks about how uh, God changes us and transforms us, but we still keep... It's just like if, uh, Brother Leon, you're out mowing the grass and you, and you, you don't put on your best Sunday suit. You don't dress in your Sunday suit to mow in your grass, do you? No, because you get all sweaty and you get dirty all, when you're weed eating, all that grass blows up on you. You don't want to wear your fine suit to go out and mow the grass and the weed eat and, uh, and attend to, to doing all that because uh, uh, you know you're going to get a dirty and filthy. Well, when you take a shower, do you put on your, those filthy clothes again? No. You put on your clean clothes. You, you put on your clean stuff. And it'd be like uh, salvation for many people is, is, is like to, uh, getting that shower after working hard out in the sun and in the, in the garden and, in the, and mowing the grass. And, and you come in, you take a shower. Uh, we get God's uh, grace applied to our lives. He cleanses us of our sin. But we want uh, uh, so many people put on those old grubby clothes again. They put on the old sinful nature again, keep sinning in their life rather than putting on the clean white robes of God that God provides for us. And they keep carrying around that filthy, uh, dirty uh, self that they used to be. I like keep going back to that old sinful nature. And Titus, uh, the second part of chapter 2, uh, Paul is addressing Titus and he's already given Titus all these characteristics. We talked about characteristics of people who need to step forward. First, he talks about a call to find men and women who will step up to the challenge of being God's men and God's women in the church. And we need that in this church and every church. We need people who will step up to the challenge of living for God and doing the right thing and living the kind of life that God wants us to live. Then he talks about all these attributes that ought to be a part of their life 
And we talked about last week about why we have these attributes, and it's because of God's grace. And now I want to take a deeper look at that grace that that is applied to us and why that God's grace changes us so much. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for that uh, uh, for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a particular people, righteous and of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no man despise thee. Paul uh, begins out by saying, look, the reason God's grace uh, changes us and transforms us so much is because God's grace that brings salvation changes us so much and we ought to begin to live as if we are the people of God. We ought to begin to live as, as God God's grace has been applied to us and, and, uh, and begin to exhibit those things that God has done for us in our life. We ought to uh, deny the God- ungodliness and deny the worldly things that are around us and live in a sober manner, he says. And we ought to live in such a way that brings glory to God. He says, and why should we do those things? Why do we live... Uh, we- Look... We can all understand that when we have God's salvation in our life, God changes us and God uh, moves us from one existence to another of living a different kind of life. But we have to make the choice as to whether or not we're going to choose after, after having God's salvation and being cleared of that sin and God washing us of that sin. Look, when we continue down that road of life and we, we come to a choice now, we have a choice of living for God as God has called us to live or living for man, living for ourselves. We have a choice of doing what's right and a choice of doing what uh, God says is wrong. We have a choice as to doing uh, the things that, that exhibit the godly nature that God has put in our life or, begin to, uh, or continue to exhibit the uh, fleshly nature that used to be a part of our life but, and we still have memory of that uh, way of life, but we Continue, uh, but we still and we still have the choice of doing those things, and when we do them, it's called sin, right? And we sin and we do those things. And there's some who would say, "Hey, uh, God's uh, God forgives me, and God will just forgive me if I keep sinning. I can just keep asking God for forgiveness." Uh, and look. There were some that even said, look, uh, I'm going to uh, sin as much as I can because I want God's grace to abound in my life. I want God's grace to keep pouring out on my life. And Paul says, and uh, uh, I think it's in 1 Timothy, he says, look, you don't live uh, an ungodly life just simply so God's grace can keep abounding and getting greater and greater in your life. Heavens, no. You live a different kind of life because God's grace has been applied to your life and you live live without sin. You try and do your best not to sin and rely upon God to help lead you out of sin so that God's grace might be manifest in your life so that others might see the grace of God and not so that you can keep having grace applied to your life.
your life. We need to live the kind of lives that are an example to others. And why do we do that? Because of the great and glorious appearing of God's great gift to us, our Savior Jesus Christ. He says, Paul says, the reason we need to live uh, as if God's grace is in our life and, and allow God's grace to 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 transport us and trans, uh, transform us into a creation He wants us to be is because Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus is coming again and we're going to be in His presence and we need to be... Look, we need to... Be, and look, Jesus is not just a, a celebrity. He's not just somebody that we think is really neat and cool that we want to be around. He's not uh, He's not an, a person important public figure like a, a politician is. He's he's God incarnate. He's God. And God's going to come again and He's going to take us home. And we need to be, we need to have our lives transformed and, and renewed. God, God changed us when we were saved, but there's a, a sanctification process. God is moving us from where we were to the place we need to be when we come into His presence. He's moving us from the sinful, wretched people that we were to be the, uh, the godly people that He uh, desires for us to be. That sanctification process is God's grace being applied to our lives and God's grace changing us and transforming us and through uh, His righteousness being applied to our life to make us into the people He wants us to be. If we sit there and continue to refuse and refuse and refuse, then we're not going to exhibit the character and the personality that God desires for us to have and we'll be behind the curve. We'll be... uh, Look... Many of you go to the doctor and you have, uh, when you get sick and you go to the doctor uh, when when you're not sick you go to the doctor all the time. Uh, some of us go to the doctor all the time and we're constantly at the doctor. Uh, uh, suppose you go into the doctor and he says he looks at you and he says, "Look, you've got a severe problem. Uh, let's just pick something like." Uh, uh, you got a severe problem with diabetes. You're on a road to having diabetes in your life, and if you don't make some dramatic changes in your life, you're going to be uh, taking medication for diabetes, then you're going to be shooting insulin in your body for diabetes, then you're going to have all these problems. Uh, what happens when you do that? Some of you that, that have people in your life that have diabetes, you, or, or you may have it in your own life. When you When you do that, you can do one of two things. You can either decide, hey, I, I can eat and do whatever I want to because I've got the medicine, i got the insulin, and I've got uh, all these things, and I can do whatever I want to, and I can live however I want to. But what are you doing? You're just propagating the whole uh, issue of why you have to take all that medicine, right? You're eating bad stuff for you. You're eating a whole bunch of sugar in your lot in your body, and you're doing the kind of things that's just led you to have to have that intervention by the doctor. And if you if your doctor says you got to make some changes. You got to start taking this medicine and you got to start giving yourself insulin. What would happen if you didn't? You would have real severe problems, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, Tommy? You'd have some severe problems because you, your body would need insulin. Your body would need correction, but if you're not taking in your insulin like you're supposed to, you're not checking your blood and all that kind of stuff, and you're just, hey, no big deal. I'm going to eat this big old uh, uh, slice of cake or this big old 
cupcake or I'm going to eat this big old uh, piece of candy and I'm, I'm not going to and you're not taking your blood sugar you're not uh, you're not uh, exercising you're not doing anything you said hey doctor said I'm having all these problems big deal I'm going to just keep on living my life you're going to have, run into some major issues you could you could have uh, some major problems with your health and you could die right but if instead you said you know the doctor came to you and you said hey uh, you, you're going to have to start taking some medicine because your sugar is too high and if you don't change some things you might have to start taking insulin later and have problems with diabetes you're a diabetic you say, okay, doctors told me that. I'm going to start taking the medicine like I'm supposed to, but instead of eating like I've always eaten, I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start eating all kinds of vegetables, and I'm going to start, uh, uh, I'm going to cut out all this other uh, food that I shouldn't be eating. I'm not going to eat greasy food. I'm not going to eat uh, sugary foods. I'm not going to even eat uh, uh, foods that, that are fruits and things because they got sugars in them. I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that. And you, and you modify your life and you change your life what happens uh, your doctor's going to come to you after you go visit him the next time he says man your sugar has dropped a lot and boy you, you're doing good you've lost some weight then you keep doing that and you and the doctor uh, you go back to the doctor again and the doctor says good grief your your blood your your blood sugar is down so much and and you're doing so good I'm going to take you off of that medicine now because your sugar's not high and I can tell that you've changed and modified your lifestyle and now you don't have problems with blood your blood sugar your glucose anymore but keep working on it keep doing it or else I have to put you back on that medicine. But because you've modified your lifestyle and you've changed your life, you don't have that problem anymore. That's uh, look. That's just like when we have uh, when we get saved. God says, "Look, I'm applying my grace to you. Your mercy, my mercy, and my love is applied to your life. You're changed and you're transformed. And because of that, you want to live differently. You want to live as God wants you to live. Because why? Because you, God has come into your heart. Your heart is filled with His love. Your heart." Is, your life is is changed because of the presence of God. Now you're saying, you know, hey, I don't want to do those things I used to do. I want to live for God. I want to I want to serve God. I want to do those things uh, that God wants me to uh, do. Why? Because He gave Himself. Verse 14 says, He gave Himself that He might redeem us from all iniquity. Look, we, we He gave Himself for us so that uh, we can have salvation, so that we can be redeemed. We want to live differently, not because He says we've got... Look, you've got to do this because I'm telling you you have to and you know, uh, whip us in like a slave and say, you must do this because I've saved you. No, we desire to do it. Why? Because He saved us. He changed... It's like being set free from... From jail or set free from bondage, we want to do those things because He gave so much for us so that we could have salvation. And Paul says, I speak these things that you might uh, rebuke all those who are... Look, he says, uh, Timothy, uh, Titus, you're living in that community of Crete to be a testimony, to be a witness. You're there to rebuke those who've been living 
contrary to the way that you should be living. Uh, and those people who've accepted Christ in their life, they're continuing in their sin, continuing in the lifestyle that they're not supposed to. You need to rebu- uh, rebuke that. Well, what do we do? When we see this, we need to also understand that we have the ads, need to have the same attitude as well. We need to rebuke the, the behavior in our life that's been uh, setting us at odds with God. We need to begin to live uh, uh, according to what God's desire is. And look what he says in chapter 3. He says, put uh, them in mind to be subject to uh, principalities and powers and to obey magistrates to be ready to do uh, to every good work to speak evil of no man these are more attributes that he's given us and how we should live he says in verse 3 for we ourselves are, uh, also were sometimes foolish disobedient deceived serving diverse lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy hateful and hating the other uh, he says, look, all of us are, are coming from a bad place. He says that while you're telling these people they need to live a better life, remember where you've come from. Remember the fact that you used to live that way. You lived foolishly before. You were deceived. You were disobedient. You were uh, following after these diverse, uh, uh, these different lusts, these different uh, sinful attitudes. He says, but after the love and kindness of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. And by the washing of uh, regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And he goes on to, to close out that thing. And it's, he says it's a faithful saying that's good and it's, it needs to be a part of your life. Let me, tell you, let me ask you something. Let's say you're, uh, you're living in a broken down house You've fallen on hard times and you, your, your house is about to fall apart. I, drew, I drove past, I don't know what's going on, but I drove past a trailer that it had no walls on it, had no insulation on it because there was no walls on it. There was not a thing inside of it. I'm hoping that what happened was is that somebody decided they didn't want it anymore and they just stripped it all apart and they're in the process of getting rid of it. But I would hate to think that this was somebody's home and it got so bad that it, it's just... But but this this trailer's just stripped of everything, and, it, and it's it's just a shell of wood that used to be a, uh, somebody's home. And let's say you lived, you fell on hard times, and you were living in a house or a trailer, and it was just so bad. Uh, things got so bad that everything was falling apart. The floor had huge holes in it. You could see the ground underneath it. And uh, the walls were so paper thin you could see through them. Uh, look, I've been in homes that way where the walls were so thin uh, there were places where I could see outside through the wall instead of looking out a window. And the person that was living there didn't have anything to, uh, to close out the outside except for taking some paper that they... Uh, wet and they put up on the wall to try and and, uh, close off the outside from from the inside and that was all they could do to try and and close up the gaps that were in the wall Uh, you had no furniture uh, but an old mattress 
left over because uh, the creditors came and took all the furniture you went out and bought because uh, you couldn't pay for it. Uh, your cars were all breaking down. Hey, this sounds familiar to my life. Um, your cars were all broken down. You couldn't uh, go anywhere, couldn't get a job because you had to walk everywhere you had to go. Everything was just falling to pieces and you had no food in the cabinets you had nothing to put on the table and you were just destitute you're sitting there and there's nothing that you've got and all of a sudden while you're just sitting there uh wondering what you're going to do you happen to across uh you happen to have a situation where money came into your life I'm not going to say you happen to cross a, a lottery ticket because I don't want to promote the lottery. It's not the lottery that, that takes care of, uh, care of us as God. But uh, let's just say you come into some money. Uh, you, uh, you had a relative that you didn't know about that was well off and they passed away and, and they decided to give you the money because uh, you needed it the most. And all of a sudden, instead of having nothing, all of a sudden you come into an inheritance inheritance of of a hundred million dollars you went from <coughs> you went excuse me you went from having nothing and not having anything to i mean for soup at night you got water and you boiled it and put it in a pot uh, in a bowl and you were eating that uh, boiled water and that was soup um uh you didn't have anything to having a hundred million dollars would you still live in that old house? Yeah. Would you still live in that old house that you could see through the walls and that you could see down uh, the ground underneath the house? Or would you still walk everywhere you went uh, uh, and not buy a new car? Would you uh, go through your life uh, wearing the same old tattered clothes that you didn't have and say, I can't touch that hundred million dollars That's, I, 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 uh, you wouldn't do that if you had that inheritance and you had all that money all of a sudden instead of uh, living in that old broken down house you'd be living in a big mansion instead of wearing those old tattered clothes are about to fall off your body and just uh, they're so uh, dirty and filthy they, they never would come clean even if you tried washing them all the time and they had so many holes that you could see right through them you wouldn't wear those old clothes anymore you get the finest clothes you could find instead of walking everywhere you went you get a brand new car you get a nice car you get something you could uh, rely on to get you places and do things instead of sitting at home wondering what you're going to do you go take trips around the world you go enjoy yourself you'd eat fine food you wouldn't sit there and look at an old bowl of uh, boiled water and, and eat it as soup uh, you would you would go out and you get some of the finest food available. Why? Because your life has been changed. So why is it that we as Christians, when we have God come into our life, we still keep living that old, nasty, de uh, decrepit life that we used to live? And why don't we live like joint heirs of Jesus Christ that we are when Jesus Christ comes into our life? We're living as in the past and we're living in, in a situation where we keep dragging along that old sinful self and we keep doing the same old things we used to do instead of living the kind of life that God wants us to live instead of being blessed the way God wants us to be blessed. He says, look, 
God came and He applied His marvelous grace. God gave Himself and transformed your life so you ought to live your life differently. Why? Because you are different. You are no longer the same. God has come into your life and we, He has transformed you. And because of His loving kindness, because of God's salvation towards us, because God has tra- uh, transformed our life, we ought not to live the same old life we used to live, of living in filth. We ought to live in the cleanliness of God. We ought to live in the way that which God calls us to live. And Paul says, look, you're there to to teach them that they've been changed. They're no longer the same. Those old Christians that are still living in sin, they need to understand that God has come into their life. Uh, And we need to do the same thing. We don't need to keep living as if we're a part of the past. God's calling us to live as He has recreated us in the newness of life. He's given us uh, a life that has been transformed. We don't need to continue to be foolish and disobedient and deceived, serving our lustful natures of our former self and doing the pleasures that used to, uh, the things that used to bring us pleasure when we lived in sin. God has changed us and transformed us where now we ought to live according to His desire. And when we live in the newness of life and when we live and, and doing the things that God called us to do, living righteously, those are the things that get, brings us pleasure. And guess what? It brings pleasure to God. It delights God to see us changed and, and transformed. He says, God has shed His abundant love on us. His abundant grace. He's washed us with a regeneration. He's renewed us and made us clean. And not only clean and whole and new and have a different nature. God's calling you to that kind of life. Look, first of all, let me just say, you can't have that kind of life if you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart and life yet. If you haven't accepted His love, you're sitting there and you're saying, hey, I don't want to give up some of those things. I don't want to give up those things that I used to do. Why? Because your nature hasn't changed yet. God hasn't transformed you yet. God hasn't come into your life. I'm inviting you today. Accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Just say to Him, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I I need Your salvation. Lord, I know You paid uh, uh, the penalty of my sins on the cross. And I come to You and I know that I can't do it myself. I accept Your your gift of salvation. I want Your grace to be applied in my life. It's, It's that simple. It's that easy. And then once God's grace comes into your life, He will begin to change you and transform you. And when those sinful things come along, He'll help you to say no. He'll help you to say, no, I don't need to be a part of that. And yes, we'll all struggle with things from in our life from time to time. And His grace will continue to be applied to our life. But we need to try and stay away from those things as much as we can. Why? Because He's changed us. We're no longer uh, the same. We no longer want to have those things. It's like... Uh, 
when you've had a habit for a long time. Look, I used to drink sodas and sweet tea all the time. My mom, when I was growing up, she would uh, make tea and she'd put two cups of sugar in a gallon of tea and she'd stir it and it, and she'd make uh, it was more like syrup, you know. Uh, and she would uh, brew that tea and she'd put that sugar in there and she'd let it steep for uh, an hour or two before she'd ever take it off of the uh, the stove. And she'd pour it in the into the pitcher and and boy that was some sweet tea but and i used to think i loved it if and, but lately i've been going through a period where i drink a lot of water i don't drink uh, uh things that are sweet and sugary anymore and if i try to taste uh just regular sweet tea that has uh, that's not anywhere near as sweet as that i i sit there and i go ooh, i can't take it anymore why because I, my life's not the same as it was. I can't, I can't take that sweet, sugary stuff anymore. Why? Because I don't have it in my life anymore. When we accept Jesus into our heart and life, we don't have sin in our life anymore. The more we say, no, I don't want that sin, the easier it is, it'll become to say, no, I don't want it in my life anymore. The more we'll say, hey, when that sinful stuff comes along and we do sin, it, the easier it is to come to God and say, oh God, I'm so sorry. Oh God, take that sin from my life. Oh God, take it away. I don't want to be a part of it any longer. And we'll, uh, it's easier to, the easier it is to live the righteous life that God's called us to live. And so if today you're struggling with that and you want to live according to God's desire, according to His Word, I invite you to come. Renew your life with Him. Allow Him to change you and transform you. And if you simply want to come and you want to lay another burden on the altar to God and ask God to, uh, to help you through some of the things that you're going through, I invite you to come. As we stand and sing in a moment, I want to invite you to come and to join our fellowship. Whatever it is that God's put in your heart, we invite you as we stand and sing uh, our hymn in just a moment. But let us pray first.